0: Nice, huh? Yeah, it's summer. Kind of chilly in here, though, huh? (laughs) I know, we're trying to make it winter again. For those of you at home... It's a bit chilly. Just turn down your AC and uh, you'll join us in the frigid. Hey, um, it is great to be here. I want to uh, follow up on something because some of you guys heard there's not gonna be uh, CC kids during the month of July, and immediately I know that parents go, oh, I guess we'll stay home. Um, don't do that, we're gonna fill the whole sanctuary with sand and we're gonna play, no, we're not gonna do that. Um, we are gonna do some things that hopefully will include the kids though, so um, plan on being here, just try it out, let's see if we can you know, uh, do that because we love having kind of uh, this room full with you and your families and we'll try and lean into that during that time. Uh, but welcome this morning. Uh, many of you guys know we've had a bit of excitement around our house this last weekend. Um, on Friday night, our daughter called and she told us that she was on her way to the hospital because she was going to be having our third grandson and uh, he decided to come early. He's about two to three weeks early. Um, So that just kind of changed things up for us a bit. So um, Friday night was kind of exciting. Carrie jumped on the, uh, Lauren was actually over at the house visiting and when we got the news, as Carrie gets on the computer, uh, secures a, a plane ticket, and uh, went to work because she had some stuff that she thought she could get done at the end of the weekend. She had to finish up some stuff there. She packed, she got a little bit of sleep, and then she was at the airport by 5: 30, and I got to drive. <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyway, um, Christopher was born at uh, about 1:30 in the afternoon, and uh, so we are excited about that.) <laughs> Now if any of you guys have uh, had children or been around a family where there are children being born at any one time, you know that that can be a bit chaotic. Um, our part was chaotic, but I, I hesitate to use that word because we know from having three kids of our own that um, that word for that day was reserved strictly for uh, Rachel and, uh, and her husband at that time. So Rachel and Rob got chaos uh, in spades, I'm sure. But, um, Chaos. Chaos is something, you know, if you if I were if you were to think about a setting like that that's just crazy. If you were to think about maybe a service that has like all the kids from our families in the middle of it and stand on the floor and we're playing, if you want to think about that, and now what I want you to do is think about what would be the exact opposite setting for you of that. (laughs) Because I know for Carrie, Carrie loves being in, that, in the midst of that because she loves the new grandbaby and all that, but I know for Carrie, if she were to think of where's the place that I can just kind of relax and find rest, and here in the ocean state, I know many of you guys immediately go to the beach, right? Is that true? You go to the beach and you just think, especially like if you're in a tropical kind of a place where there's a resort and people are waiting on you, you just kind of just got to lay there and chill out, right? And that's like the opposite. You got chaos over here and then you have the beach, Right, The ocean, the sea, and the waves, and just the sounds, and everything's just calming. Um, did you know that the Bible actually starts with a scene from, kind of a scene from the beach? Did you guys know that? I mean, you think about it, and here's God, and he's looking out, and there's this largely kind of unformed, kind of just... Uh, trackless kind of space called land. And then there was these, this deep water that's involved too, right? I mean, it sounds kind of like the beach. So um, let's, let's stand. We're gonna take a look at this passage. It's in Genesis right at the very beginning. It's kind of fun to think that maybe God started out everything at the seaside, right? Standing there on the ocean. But listen to these words from Genesis 1, 1 and 2 and, and think, think about what this may have looked like. We're gonna be digging into this. Genesis 1. Verses one through two, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth, the land, was without form and empty. Sounds like a beach before everybody gets here, right? And darkness covered the surface of the deep. And the spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. So you got the waters, You got, right? A little bit like the beach? Maybe not. One of the things we have to remember when we read this is, at the time that this was being written, the people of Israel, Moses was writing this down, this account down, the people of Israel were making their way through the desert. And they did not see the beach, the seaside, as a very friendly place. They did not have it on this scale of relaxation way over here. And the reason was because they had just gone, think about what their most recent experience with a large body of salt water had been. <laughs> right? They were trapped between this, this pursuing army coming from Egypt and the Red Sea, and they thought they were gonna die. And that does not instill relaxation into the psyche of a nation. And so the, when they wrote about creation and they wanted to talk not about relaxation, but they wanted to talk about chaos, what they thought of was the sea. Now that's gonna be maybe hard for us to make that translation, but I, I, I need us to make that shift in our minds. And we're gonna look at why that might be because we wanna talk about what does God do when those kind of times, those kind of, that kind of chaos comes into our lives. Because there's something here, even at the very beginning of this story, the story about God and us, about his salvation and his beauty and his creation, there's something to be found in here about as we begin to talk about God and the sea and what he has to say in the Bible, there's something to be said about God and chaos as we find it in Genesis one, amen? Father, we wanna thank you for this morning. We wanna ask that you would open our hearts and our minds and maybe think about things in ways that we haven't thought about them, um, just so that we can make the jump from what was being communicated to us in scripture about even those opening moments, those opening just seconds of creation and what things were like, because that has everything to do with not just how things were then, but how things continue to be and the type of God that you are and the type of love that you have for us and for all of your creation, even right now, even in the things that we might be going through right now because I know that chaos comes in a lot of different forms in this world and I know that there is bound to be this very morning someone who's right here in this room or someone who is watching online who is dealing with a lot of chaos in their life. And not necessarily that kind of exciting kind of chaos, but the very traumatic, the very dangerous, the very threatening kind of chaos. And so, Father, I pray that you would meet us here through the power of your spirit, that your spirit would speak to our hearts, that you would embed this word, this word that you have for us, deeply in us. Father, get me out of the way. Don't let it just be my best thoughts. I pray that this truly would be your voice because that is what shapes and commands and changes the darkness into light and changes the chaos into order. It's your word, it's your voice. So be here and speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, have a seat. So uh, several years ago I had the opportunity to go on a a mission trip to Jamaica and we were down there working with an orphanage and uh, one of the days that we were there uh, the director of the orphanage, who was also a, he was a um, licensed certified dive instructor. He was an instructor of instructors. So he was very qualified to do this, but he took us snorkeling. And he took us to this very sheltered kind of bay uh, on, on the side of the island we were at. And there was a reef out there. And he said, you know, you can swim anywhere from here to the reef and not worry about it. And uh, just keep your snorkels on. He gave us kind of basic directions. He said, now you can also, if you want to, you can go kind of into the reef and look at what's out there. And you can go a little beyond the reef. But he said, be very careful if you choose to go beyond the reef because at the end of the reef, it just kind of drops. You know, the the land just kind of drops down into the ocean, he says, and the currents get different. And it, it, it just becomes a very different place. Beyond the reef, so he said, Be careful. Well, I I went out there and I thought, Well, this is fun. And I'm kind of, you know, crystal clear water and it's about 25 feet deep and you're just out there snorkeling away. And I said, You know, I think I'll I'll push myself a little bit. I'll check out the reef. And I get out there and you see all these, you know, these uh, different animals that live in the reef and you're watching, you know, and you're kind of swimming around there. And I said, You know, I'm going to go check out the other side of this reef because, you know, how bad can it be? So I swim out to the other side of this reef, and immediately, not only did the land drop, but everything inside of me dropped. I mean, I got this pit of this terror that just kind of rose up within me. I didn't know that was in there. But all of a sudden, it just rises up, and it says, you get yourself out of here, because you just, you feel the eyes that you can't see in that nice. darkness down below you. You just, you just know they're watching just going, please just go a little bit further out, just a little bit, right? You just know they're there and they're going, what is this guy doing? And, and so immediately I go diving back into the shelter of this reef. And I thought that was so dumb, what am I doing? There's nothing down there, it's just, the, this is, I'm gonna go back out there and I go back out there and the same thing happens, I can't get away from it. It's like, so the rest of the day I was well within you know, the bay. Uh, inside the reef, right? Just stay in the 25-foot water. Keep it simple. There's something that comes out. There's something that comes out in, when we look at something like the deep, the depths of the ocean. There is this, still this kind of primal kind of threat that we see it as. Now, we live in the ocean state, so for us, many of us, we're going, I don't see the ocean as a threat. I don't see the depths of the ocean. This isn't like chaos incarnate. But I want us to maybe put ourselves in the mind of someone who doesn't interact with an ocean at the, at the same level that we do, with the same kind of frequency we do. I want to imagine that we're these, these wandering kind of nomadic tribes that really live, they live in the desert, where not only are oceans rare, but water itself isn't a very common thing. So when you think of the ocean, you think of this huge trackless mass of this substance that you even find a bit rare and uncommon. And you look at that place and you go, you know, it wouldn't take long once you lose sight of the shore between you become, before you just become absolutely disoriented. And that's terrifying, right? And not only that, but you get out there and, and you find that the creatures that live in this place are unlike anything you've ever seen on land before, and some of them have these teeth that make you think, you know, I think they might eat things like me every once in a while. And they come up out of these depths where the further you look down, the less you can see because it grows darker and darker as it grows colder and colder as you go down. And then you, you can learn all kinds of things about how pressure builds up and how you can, you can die just by diving too deep and coming up too quick. And, and you're going, this is, this is not a, a nice place. And then there's the water itself in an ocean, right? Because you can't even drink it. You can literally be out in the middle of the ocean surrounded by all this liquid and you can die of thirst because you can't, it was, it's not gonna help you. You're going, that's not a nice place. And if you don't know how to navigate it, that's not a, that's a, that is a hostile environment. That's a threatening, even if you do know how to navigate it, it's only because you know how to respect it. You know how to to make sure that you leave anchors in places that you can get back to where you need to get to, right? So here are all these people there, and Genesis is being written to them, and so they think, you know, if you're going to describe a place of chaos, a place of threat, a place of kind of this, this disorienting kind of just ambiguous stir of stuff, you describe it kind of like the ocean. You describe it kind of like the sea. And so Genesis starts out with this picture of the sea, but it's the worst kind of sea, right? Because it doesn't have any, it doesn't have any boundaries to it. It's not framed in very well at all. You can't see the shore. It, you don't know the way back to safety. There is no way back to safety because even the land that they describe, it, it, you can't really tell where the land stops and the sea begins. It's all just kind of blurred in there. So it's this place of, of chaos, and, and the words that are used in the Hebrew, there's, this, there's a couple of words, tohu vavohu, and it means waste and emptiness. It's without, without categories and completely void of, and devoid of anything. There, there's another word that they use, hoshek, which is just darkness, or tohom, which means the deep. And, and all of this just comes together to say this is, a, this is an unforgiving, kind of an unrecognized, disturbing kind of place. It's like being on the edge of that, that underwater cliff, except that it's everywhere, right? So you're out in the middle of this place and you're looking at this threatening place and, and they call it, it's, it's basically, it's chaos. It's chaos and it says that God began creation in the midst of this Chaos. Now, in the, in the Near East, where, where this story was being uh, written down by Moses, there were a lot of stories about creation, about it starting with chaos. But in those, chaos was seen almost like a god. Chaos was a god that existed long before the creator ever got there. And the creator had to kind of wrestle with this chaos, had to he had to cut it down, had to do war with chaos, had to cut it apart to make it manageable so that, that he could work with it. But in Genesis, we see, we see a different kind of creator, don't we? We see a different kind of interaction going on between this God and chaos. God just merely speaks to the chaos. He forms the chaos. Later, later in scripture, we find that the reason that it's not this animosity that exists between God and this kind of unformed substance is because God's actually the one that made it that way. God's the one that created this landless, this trackless mass of the unformed land. God is the one who made the depths of the waters. And God is the one then who speaks to it and shapes it. And so whatever appeared to be chaos in scripture what appeared to others to be this this threat against them, Moses says, no, no, no. You gotta realize this was like unformed clay that God had thrown down on the wheel and said, now I'm gonna start shaping it. Now I'm going to start making a creation. I'm going to bring order to this and make this livable space a beautiful place, a very good place from this disordered chaos, this thing that seems like such a threat to us. So the question, one of the questions that comes up is, have you ever been in a place that's looked like that, that's felt like that to you in your life? Have you been in a place that looks like it's it's completely disorienting? It looks like nothing makes sense, nothing is connected, and you're going, God, what am I supposed to do with this? In fact, it feels threatening at times. It feels dangerous at times. It feels like it could easily just swallow you up and you'd be gone. You say, God, where are you in this? There are times, in fact, often that God says, you know what, this isn't isn't a threat. This is my work. In fact, I brought this in because I intend to shape this like I would a piece of clay into a masterpiece for you. I intend to move you from where you are into a new place that you can't even imagine right now because I haven't created it. And he brings us through those times that just where everything goes up on end. But he says, you gotta trust me here. Because this isn't isn't a threat of chaos. This is this unformed place that I begin my work. So those are the places that, when we're in those kind of places, we can thank God. We can go in and we can say, God, I'm so glad you're here with me in this. I'm so glad for what you're shaping this into. Because he doesn't bring in things that are meant to destroy us. He brings in things that are meant to be shaped for our good. Amen? Always. But then you might say, well, wait a second, wait a second. (laughs) You're not saying that every time I hit chaos that God's created it, right? You're not not saying that because there are some things I've hit in my life, right? That I would hope that God's not behind them. I hope you're not saying that God put that there on purpose. What about death? What about disease? What about war? What about famine? What What about things like human trafficking? What about... What about those kind of things? You're not saying that God did that on purpose, that God somehow brought that in. and he, What about a broken relationship that I tried desperately to restore, but I can't do anything about it, and it just remains, and it destroys both of the people involved, and nothing can be done with it. What about those? Well, it ends up, no. The Bible doesn't say God is responsible for all chaos. He just says God is responsible for the chaos sometimes to create, but there are sometimes, there is another source for chaos in our lives, isn't there? He says there is another. In fact, there's a source and it creates a very different kind of chaos because where on the one side the chaos was led into creation, which led it into good and order and space and life and, and Prospering, the other is this chaos that develops into this very destructive kind of chaos. This source brings that about. It brings death. It brings destruction. It brings being robbed of the life that God intended. That's the chaos that's brought in. God says, when we try to take the things that were shaped by God, the things that were spoken by God, the things that were defined by God, and we try to redefine them, right? We try and make them work for us in a different way than God ever intended. We try to make them work for us. We try and create a world that God never intended to be there for ourselves. In our pride, we think, well, I can make this go differently. I can make this be the way I want it to be. And the Bible just calls that sin. And he says, through our sin, through our decisions to try and define things differently than God defines them and try to make things different than God intended and and try to go a different way than God ever intended for us to go, we try and make a world, but all we end up with is chaos, but it's a very different kind, isn't it? And it's not only destructive to us, but it's destructive to everyone around us. So that chaos comes in and we find that this world is really A mess because often we have tried to make better the things that God already called good, right? We try to make a life that we can figure it out better than God figured it out for us. He said, I don't like what he told us to do here. I'm gonna try something different. It happened in Eden, right? We know the story of Adam and Eve. And they took the, the statement God said. He said, you can have anything in this garden, just don't touch this one tree. And Eden would say, don't touch it said, don't eat of it. Don't eat the fruit from it. So they go, you know, if there's one thing I wanna do, <laughs> is to eat that fruit off of that tree. And because of that, death and sorrow and blame and broken relationship, all of that entered the world, a destructive kind of a chaos. And it wasn't something that God said, here, I'm gonna bring this into the world so I can create something good out of it. He said, no, this is something you brought into the world. And it makes a mess. It it happened when Cain grew jealous of his brother Abel. So he killed him. It says because of that, murder enters the world and people just, life became just trivialized because of what he had done. Not to mention that Abel's life was cut off. and So you never found out what was the good that God intended to bring through him because he cut it off before it had begun. It also happens when we... In our decisions, we make decisions that contradict what God intends. We contradict what God has meant to do, what he has called us to be and to do. And we go against his purposes and his intents with our intents and our purposes for ourselves, right? You guys know what that looks like. We all do this, right? And when we do this, he says, it brings in destruction. He said, don't be fooled. Every time we do this, it brings in destruction. And not just for us, but for those, anyone who's around us. And it brings, it's because of that kind of chaos, you guys, as we look around, that our world is a mess. Our lives are a mess, our our relationships are a mess, our communities are a mess because of that. What this story would tell us is because of that kind of chaos. God says, don't lie. But we find all kinds of reasons we can justify why we need to lie in that moment, and because of that, distrust comes in and brokenness starts erupting. God says, learn the rhythm of Sabbath, right? Learn the rhythm of time off to be with me and to focus on me and time to spend on what you're doing. But we say, no, all my times, that's my time. So I'm gonna do what I want. And because of that, we have anxiety and we have fatigue and we have just this fear about that we're, not gonna, we're gonna run out of time and we, gotta, we don't have enough energy to get everything done, right? God says, we are blessed so that we can share our blessings with others. We say, no, my money belongs to me. I'm gonna use it on what I want, and I'm gonna get more, and I'm gonna try, and, and we end up chasing this thing that just never ends, and we're never satisfied. Instead of becoming those who consume what we earn, we're consumed by this pursuit, or we're just bored out of our skulls because of the purposelessness of it all, right? So this kind of chaos that we bring in because we just decide to define things different and to speak a different word than the word that God's already spoken. He says it makes a mess. So on the one hand, the solution for good chaos, you have this good chaos that God brings in. His solution for that is that he brings in creation. And he makes this habitable space, this this place where we can live and love and grow and, and develop he calls it the, the order, the cosmos, right? But what about this space? What about these things where we've taken the ordered things of God and we've twisted them all up and we've broken them and we've decided to go a different way and we brought in this destructive chaos? What can we do with that? He says there's only one solution for that, right? So it has to be redeemed. It has to be remade. It has to be reset, Sometimes we get mad at God because he wants to reset everything, but he says, I have to. If it's, been, if it's been tweaked and broken, I can't just bring it back to what it was before. You have to bring it forward, and it brings it into something new, into redemption, into recreation. So in Christ, we don't find that we become better versions of what we already were. Instead, we find out that we become new versions of something we never imagined in so many ways of this recreation you know in that we have to realize of what if we, if we lose sight of something if we don't realize what if we don't keep in mind what it costs god to pull that off right i mean that's our whole story that's the story of jesus He said it actually cost him laying down his own life, pouring out his own blood to fix the things that were broken, not to fix them backwards, but to move them forward into this new. He, by his own life, opened up this new way into a new future, into a new reality that we we didn't have any access to. He had to pull it off, and he calls it redemption. In Psalm eighteen twenty six, it says, you know, I want you to hear these words. It says, with the, per, pu, with the pure, God shows himself to be pure, but with those who are twisted, right? The twisted, the broken, the ones who are pursuing other things, God shows himself, and he uses that same word, twisted, but it has this double meaning. It says, God shows himself to be more creative <laughs> than those who have twisted and turned to try and get away from them, Right? Now, in that is a warning because it says you can't, you can't outflank God. You can't get around him. You can't lose him. But in that also is a promise, isn't it? Because it says we can never get so twisted that we're out of his reach. We can't ever find ourselves in a place through our twisting and turning that we're so far from God that he won't even beat us there and meet us in that place and say, I, I've made a way to get back to where you need to be, and not just back to where you came from, but to a new place you can't even imagine. I mean, that's an amazing promise. And why is it there? It's because God knew we had the ability to take the things that he had even ordered and turn them into this chaos again in a way that would just become this destructive place. And he said, I need to make sure that that can be salvaged as well. Because I don't wanna, he loved us too much to lose us. Amen? So on the one hand, you have this chaos, this good that God puts in place on purpose so that he can have this clay and he forms creation and and we find that in our life at times. There's chaos. When we go into, you know, the future is kind of chaotic, isn't it? Right, We look forward to say, I don't know what's going on. And the more we try and control it, the less control we actually have of it. That's something that God put in place. We're not supposed to mess with it. He says, don't worry, I have the future. You worry about today, right? Don't try and lock everything down in the future. You, you, you don't even have the ability to do that. I do, but give me the future, that's that chaos, that clay that's God's to mess with. We also have this chaos where we take the good things God's created and we make a mess of them. He says the only, the only fix there is Jesus, is redemption. It's Just accepting this, this offer of, of recreation, laying down the control to try and fix and to try and make your world the way you want it to be in opposition to me, because it's not gonna work. But then we find out, you know what, there's another kind of chaos that's in this world as well. And we find it in the book of Genesis, it's a little bit further in our, in our story. Because on the one hand, we have to ask, we say, are there, are there places in my life that I need to just hand over to God to let him do work that I can't do? Because that's his, that's his clay. There are other places I need to say, there, are there things that I need to hand over to God because I've made a mess of them and I need to get my hands off of this and let him redeem it. You know, in those times, there is a part we have to play because he says, you have to accept this offer of recreation. I'm not just going to force redemption on you. If you find yourself out creating destruction, I need you to turn from it. It's called repentance. We turn from it and we turn back to God and say, God, you gotta make something new out of this. So there are those kinds, but he says, there's a third kind as well. Are there those places we need to hand stuff to God Are there places that we need to agree with God and hand it to him? And receive his gift, but then in Genesis we go a little bit further in the story, and in Genesis 1, 20 and twenty one, it says that well earlier it says that he created this thing called the sea, and here we're getting to our, our the big point of our story, right? This is the sea, this ocean that we love so much, and he says, but in it in twenty and twenty one he says, then God said, let the waters of the sea teem with swarms of living creatures, so the, you know the fish and everything else that's in there, and he created the great Sea monsters, along with every other living creature that moves. Now, we get these pictures of like dragons and stuff living there. That's not what he's talking about. A great white shark, the first time you see it, that is a massive monster. I'm sorry. If you ever see like anything, if you ever see a whale that breaches and you see them come up and they, you're going, that is, that is a monster. It doesn't even matter if it's threatening. It can threaten you just by swimming by you because just a flick of his tail, and you're going to be out of the picture, right? I mean, it's just th- those, and, and God created those, and we're going, sea monsters? God, why'd you do that? I can swim in Lake Michigan all day long because there are no sea monsters in Lake Michigan, Right? It's all fresh water. You can go out. I can kayak. I can be as, as confident as ever. I can't get 10 feet into the ocean. I'm starting to go, on. I'm not sure what's going on here, right? And part of that's because the sea monsters are in this place. So we look at that and we go, why'd you do that? Well, it ends up that every part of creation that God took from this, this chaos, right? He, he took, and as he was forming it into creation, it's like he, li- he left this little like, fringe of, of chaos to it, didn't he? He left uh, uh, just this, uh, that bit of the unknown, that bit of the, the intimidating, that kind of dangerous feeling, right? We go walk into the woods and we're like, I love taking walks through the woods, but sometimes you walk in the woods and they're looking, these are looking scary, right? <laughs> sometimes we go swimming and we're going, this is a great day at the beach, and other days we're going, wow. I'm a little intimidated by what I see going on here, right? Because in every aspect of creation, we can get out there, we can go out near the desert and look around and we can say, this is a beautiful place, but we get too deep in it and we go, this is starting to feel a little threatening, a little chaotic. And, why, and we say, why did he do that the way that the... the the Hebrew people would have asked Moses as he was writing this, they would have said, yeah, why did God make the sea? Right, we're in, we're in the ocean state, we love the sea, but they didn't. They're going, why'd God bother making that place? That's a scary place to us. And this is the part that really grabbed me when I was, when I was digging into this. You guys listen to this, God left some chaos in creation. Not bad chaos, not the kind we make, the kind that he was working with. He leaves some chaos in creation because he is the God that takes chaos and creates it into form and order and places to live and new places of wonder, right? And he made us to be those who reflect him. So he leaves us at times places of chaos so that we can take them and we can, like he does, not on the same scale, not in the same way, not with the same... But we can start shaping them so that they become, rather than places of intimidation and danger, they can become places of, of life and of community, of love. Think about a relationship, right? You get into a relationship for the first time, and you're going, I'm not sure about this. this is, if you're sane, this is intimidating, right? I don't know this person. They're like this deep well I can't find the bottom of. But then you start working at it. You start speaking into it, and you start defining it, and and naming things, and coming to agreement on it, and it creates this place of life, and of love, and of grace, and of wonder, doesn't it? And we find that whenever we explore this world, and we say, I'm going to dive into that dark cave. I'm going to find out what's back there. I'm going to bring up light, but I'm going to find out what's back there. We get in there, and we start finding it out, and we start naming it like God did at the beginning, we start giving definition to it. And all of a sudden, instead of it being this intimidating place of chaos that we feel threatens our very existence, we see that God has used us to reflect him in the way he works in us and through us, and it becomes this place of life and of wonder. So he leaves this third bit of chaos so that we might reflect him. So are there some challenges maybe in your life right now that God's put in front of you and you're looking at them and you're going, man, that looks intimidating. And God's saying, hey, this is the chaos that I left. This is is for you not just a hand to me because it's too big for you, not just a hand to me because you've made a mess of it. This is something I'm handing to you because I wanna work in you and through you so that you will reflect me, and you'll take this thing that seems so threatening and so chaotic, and you're going to form it into a place where life can be found and where grace can be found and where good and beauty is found. Amen? Three kinds of chaos, you guys. I think the most important thing for us to do is to ask those questions, is to say, God, what you know, what kind of chaos am I dealing with here, right? It doesn't help. The first question we need to ask as we go out into our lives is, what kind of chaos am I dealing with? Is this something, because if we try and take something that God says, you need to hand this to me, and we try and take it and do something with, that's not going to help, right? Or if we try and blame God for the chaos that's caused by our sin, that's not going to help, right? We need to define what kind of chaos. We need to discern and learn how to discern what kind of chaos am I working with here. Second thing is, we need to learn how is chaos always changed into creation, into cosmos, into order. It's always by God's word, always. You find it in that first story in Genesis. You find it in the life of Jesus, who is called the very word of God. And you find it in your own life as God hands you these pieces and says, create something we work with these things according to how God has said, hey, this needs to, a relationship should look like this. It should be shaped in these ways. There should be things like respect and love and, and, and trust and, and honesty, right? So when we shape it according to God's word, we find that it can be shaped into this goodness. But the third thing that we need to do is we need to learn not to be afraid of chaos, right? however it shows up in our life. You guys, Genesis 1 is an amazing story. At the other end of the book, there's an interesting verse in Revelation 21. It says, you know, in God's new creation, there's not gonna be any more sea. And, you know, my wife hates that verse because <laughs> she's like, what? What are we gonna do? Our place of rec- recreation and re- relaxation, what are we gonna do? You know, God's not saying There may be very well this place where land meets water. That may be. But what he's really saying is he's saying, you know what, there's gonna be no more need to take chaos, transform it into creation because all of the good that can be done is going to be done. And we're going to find ourselves in this place where we learn, we're going to learn a new way of living with God because God's gonna be there with us and we're gonna find all the goodness that he intended from the very beginning, amen? Wouldn't it be great to spend that day with God at the sea?